1: bijou
2: podcasts this is episode 50 of the stacey june show and today my guest is alicia kruger Holy by Jeebus. Hey, I'm Stace. Uh, you're listening to the Stacey June Show and it is our 50th episode. I say ow, but really it's mine. Uh, I have a very, very small team behind me that edits the show. Uh, but pretty much as of this year, this particular podcast uh, became my baby. And when I say my baby, it I mean that it literally has been me back to doing every single little element of the podcast. I started off doing a podcast, if you haven't listened to my other show um, or shows before, I started off doing a podcast with two other chicks. It then turned to one other chick. Uh, At the time, I was also working with um, a producer and an editor here and there, but predominantly it was myself and another girl. And we built a, a little mini empire, created a podcast channel, and had a team as well as a radio show. So it grew to be really, really big. It was a national radio show. Um, we had a, a you know a, a small team in the in the scale of radio, but across podcasting and the radio show and all the other video products um, and projects we're working on, there was a lot of people. So when I began this project, it was it was me again, just me. And that was so confronting for someone that has struggled in the idea and the life lesson that I am enough. I learned that lesson when I was single in a romantic sense and I've certainly over the past 12 months learned that lesson in the work sense all over again. So to get to this point is a great point. It hasn't been an easy point for me because I was a bit resistant to learn that lesson again. I kind of felt like I'd learnt it. So... I was turning away a lot of the time from from what I think I needed to really face, which was that there was still some some self-worth issues there. There was some still lack of confidence. And you will hear that, particularly on the self-centered Sunday episodes that I put up uh, pretty much from the beginning of the year every Sunday about a lesson or a particular idea that I am working through. So to get to 50, it feels, well, it's not even that it's at 50 that makes me feel this, I just feel really good and really different and really confident because I've shown up every week and I've done it even when I've felt uneasy about it. Anyway, and it's also really interesting if you are a Thinker Girls listener uh, or you have followed me on other radio shows in the past, you'd think after eight years of doing this stuff that there wouldn't be other challenges and there wouldn't be other personal, I suppose, uh, hurdles to overcome with a very similar line of work. It's not like I haven't hosted a podcast before. But it is interesting how the universe will kind of strike you down and say, no, you've still got these lessons to learn and the ego totally gets in check and there's a really great way for you to build back in even more humility and even more graciousness, even though at, the t- at some of the times I certainly was far from graceful, like editing and and having to do things, you know, at, at, at hours that I wasn't interested in and arguing with my husband, who's been such an incredible support. And I need to give a big shout out to Ben um, because without him, I would not be doing this. He has believed in me uh, from the very second he laid eyes on me. uh, And in times where I really questioned whether I still wanted to keep doing all of this stuff, maybe I just want to be a yoga teacher, uh, he he saw my message, he saw what I had to offer, and he continued to push me, just tap me a little bit forward. um, Not to mention just how incredibly talented he is and what he contributes the second he walks through the door. Because as many of you know, I work by myself most of the time. I have an assistant that works here and there but mostly it's just me and so his opinions and creative input, and just you know conversations around all the kinds of things I'm doing even after he works having those conversations with so many other people under him uh, is just so appreciated so I love you babe thank you so much for everything you do on behalf of me and everyone that listens to the show so I will talk about my guest very soon. Uh, her name is Alicia Kruger and she's a feminine embodiment and menstrual cycle coach. She does some incredible work. Uh, I will put all of the work and the courses and the free cycle map that we talk about uh, in the um, in the show notes. She's also going to be doing a women a woman, sorry, embodied uh, online course which begins July 26th which you can sign up for. Again, I'll put the link in show notes for you to get involved. You'll have a bit more of an idea of what she's about, what she can teach, what she offers. But essentially she is this incredible um, power source and incredible kind of beacon of wisdom when it comes to our menstrual cycle and the power and the possibility and opportunity that we all hold within us as women to be able to awaken and really uh, utilize All by knowing more about our cycle, all by learning how to track into our own cycles, So there's obviously information you can learn about the menstrual cycle and the woman's body, but in particular, she helps women focus on the way their body is and on the way their cycle works, which is exactly why she's doing really well. So we talk so much about uh, obviously the menstrual cycle, but we really dive into the four elements of it. So, you know, the seasons as she calls it are broken into four seasons and she believes that which I also do, is that uh, our bodies and our menstrual cycle are, is also broken into four seasons. We break that down and it's a really big chat about that because in each week of our menstrual cycle, there's a completely different power that we have the capability of tapping into and, and, and I've done a little bit of this work before, but we really dive into also making sure that you don't ignore the stuff that you may already be seeing. So there's a lot of stuff that I think we notice and we don't just ignore it actually. We also um, kind of hide it or or put it under the surface. And society and culture has also told us that a lot of the power and the symptoms, or I don't even want to use the word symptoms, but the signals that our body's going through and, and telling us, that it's in a particular season, we resist or shut down or put a negative connotation on it. And I think really when I listen back to the show, there's this real innate kind of underlying disarming that society has done for us to truly live to our full potential as women. So I hope you get such an impactful kind of punch, like a real, a real, I don't know, a real like, fuck yeah, okay. I've got that power within me without really doing anything except for looking and noticing and observing that within myself. So I hope that you are empowered. I don't use that word a lot, but I hope after this episode you're empowered to start looking at yourself differently and if you are interested, maybe go and look into it further. Have, you know, have have some of the the practices um, you know, in a journal or, or kind of write them down as as we talk about things uh, for you to start practicing yourself. And of course, as I said, Alicia's there to support if you're looking at really furthering uh, your development in this particular part of your life. But yeah, before I get into that chat, I just wanted to say a very big thank you to those of you that have followed me for a very long time, a very big shout out and hello and thank you to those of you that have found me this year. It has been a big transition. It is so interesting to watch my social media numbers go really far up and go really far down. It I've watched so many people, particularly because I've worked um, in a, a space where I tell the truth. So the last year and a half has been really tough and I've been very, very honest about that. Uh, I've also spoken about my miscarriages and my fertility issues and my husband's prostate cancer and uh, you know all the kinds of itty gritty places that I found myself I've shared and not everybody wants that on social media, not everybody wants that on a podcast. So I'm really I'm not only thankful for you being here, but I'm really proud that you're here, that you're interested in diving into all the different areas of your life. You know, there are a lot of grey areas that we try to avoid. It's not all pink, it's not all bright, it's not all cheery and... I'm just grateful that you're the kind of person that turns on this show and listens to the truth. Um, i got to say, though, I feel like the sun is shining this week. I feel really upbeat. I had my birthday a few weeks ago. I love my birthday, not just because of presence and being spoiled in the center of attention, which, yes, is definitely uh, the narcissist and the, uh, the extrovert in me, but also from an introvert perspective i like i like the transition i like i like the energy that i feel with it that it's another year there's there's a change coming there's a season change coming within myself and i really feel that this year and i really needed some kind of symbol for me to, to move past some stuff that, that I've worked through and I've done some really hard work on myself and I, I'm glad to kind of have that moment or that symbol to be almost like a bit of a signing off to some of that work and, and I can feel that there's lots to be flourished and there's lots to, to really start flowering and blooming just as the seasons as we go through what, is it maybe one and a half months more of winter? So I, I sense it. So, I hope you are too. I hope wherever you are, you're doing the work. I also wanted to give a shout out to those of you that are in the middle of it and you might be going back and listening to podcasts from six months ago. Um, Things turn around. Just remember that. Things turn around. They really, really do. If you don't follow me on my mail list, please do. I've got some exciting news over the next couple of weeks to share with you, stacyjune.com. I've said that the last couple of weeks, but I'm still not able to dive into all of that yet. But very soon, I think it will definitely be next week. Um, And I will share a lot of that to the people that subscribe to my mail list first, um, before social media and everywhere else. Just as a bit of a, I don't know, I like that forum a little bit, better. I like podcasting. I like that intimacy uh, with you guys. And um, and if you've signed up to those, it's definitely clear that you're interested in hearing what I want to say. And that's a nice... Um A nice exchange. So again, thank you so much for being here for me, but for yourselves predominantly. And I really, really hope that you like episode 50 of this brilliant chat with Alicia. She was really, really informative, really wise. I spoke to her before we started recording and said, hey, I love having practical tips, practical tools for people to walk away from a podcast. And it's like comedians. Sometimes I've heard across the industry that I work in that people will be invited to do television shows or radio spots and not share a lot of their material. And sometimes you can get a podcaster, not very often, but you can get uh, somebody that joins you that is really kind of pushing back to their products and not really sharing much of their information because I get it. They want to be able to make a living and and give you information where they they best have have put it together and then collated it alicia did that but she was so generous with her knowledge she you can just hear that she's so passionate about this topic and she just gave so much information and so much uh, that you can take away as homework to hopefully change your life yay (laughs) um sounds huge but it can be if you want it to be uh thank you again hope you enjoy this chat and i'll be back for a self-centered sunday podcast uh with my latest thought and listen enjoy this chat with alicia guys and thank you love you heaps thank you so much for joining me alicia i'm so excited to get really into the nitty-gritty with you today
1: thanks so much for having me i'm excited to be here
2: So I want to start off with a really overall view of... Our cycle, our menstrual cycle, and and ask you, I guess, a really simple beginning point of this conversation at how we could be, I guess, defining our four weeks or however long it is, um, on average, it could be that time, but however long it ends up being for you, how we can define that into sections and potentially on the back of that, how we can better, I suppose. Take more notice of those particular times in our cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the kind of framework that I teach is something called the inner seasons. So the idea is that there are four inner seasons within your menstrual cycle, which, as you said, could be anywhere from you know around twenty six to thirty two days. It might be a little longer. It might be a little shorter, depending on what's um, you know what's going on for you with your own cycle, but. Um, essentially, I'll I'll sort of go through the four seasons briefly. So Mm -hmm. they're the same as the seasons in the outer world. So you have your inner winter, spring, summer, and autumn. And the reason why I really love to teach the cycle that way, as opposed to, um, you know, for example, talking about uh, the follicular phase and the luteal phase, which I do share a little bit on, but it's not really the center of what I teach is because it reminds us that our menstrual cycle is a cycle. We're not just you know, now we're ovulating and now we have our period. We're constantly in motion. We're constantly moving from one season to another. Our hormones are shifting in little increments or sometimes quite dramatically every single day. And so we're essentially, um, you know, a different woman every single day of our cycle. And working with this framework of the inner seasons really reminds us that we are always in flow. We are always in motion. We are always changing. And also reminds us that our menstrual cycle as a cycle that's a part of nature, just as the seasons in the outside world are. So this is why I love to teach it this way. Mm. So just to give you a little bit of an overview, um, the first season is your inner winter, which is when you have your period, when you're bleeding. So for most women, that could be somewhere between like four to seven days. And that is the time where your energy is at its lowest. So um, we're really invited to slow down, to nourish ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to rest as much as we can and it's also the time where we're really invited to turn inward to connect in with our intuition to nourish and receive so it's a time where we're very tapped into our intuition um so our superpowers are sort of uh you know receiving lots of insights and ideas and clarity and so it's a great time for visioning and planning out your month ahead and then as I said sort of resting and nourishing yourself
2: to really fill your cup back up as you move out into a new cycle which I think just to interrupt for a sec if we look at what I guess the stereotype view of that is is that you are in pain your body wants you to slow down but you're fighting it essentially your body and I know that this is the case for me is yearning and pulling me to meditate but I feel tired so I almost um, resist at times there's all of these different things that I feel like for some reason we do the we fight this process we really have Mm -hmm. become at a point where we don't know how to rest (laughs) and and we almost resent that time as opposed to seeing that there's a lot of opportunity and benefits that could come from it if we embraced what it truly is
1: yeah absolutely and as you said it's this, um, our body is inviting us to slow down mm. and to rest and mm. to stop and to meditate and do all of these things, which is exactly the opposite to what society tells mm. us we should mm. be doing. Mm. You know, we should be, we think we should be producing work all the time. We should be hustling. We should be out there, you know, getting all the things done and ticking things off the to-do list. And there is a season for that, but just as with the seasons and, you know, in nature or just as with any creative cycle, there's a time for rest and receiving and replenishing your energy. And then once that cup is full, then you get to go out and take all of those insights and use all of that energy to really express yourself and be out in the world and be creating or working or, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to use that energy for. But I think that, What I see in my work and with my coaching clients is that so many women are stuck in the cycle of just pushing, pushing, pushing to the point of burnout. And that was definitely my own experience for a lot of my early 20s was having adrenal fatigue, being stuck in a cycle of burnout. But we have this built-in kind of pause button within our, um, our body's rhythm that invites us to slow down and rest and replenish every single month. And when we can start to lean into that a little bit more and, you know, slow down when our body calls us to slow down, then what you'll find is that you have so much more energy, so much more inspiration. You're not um, feeling drained and depleted all the time. Creating and producing work feels really nourishing and energizing. And it's kind of, um, it's the
2: antidote to burnout, I think, for a mm. lot of women. Mm. When you start start getting on, on the same page with your body, because at the end of the day, And I know we want to move to the next season, but at the end of the day, it's happening to your body regardless of whether you want to accept it or not. So if we kind of resist it and fight it, I suppose if you're already working hard, you're playing hard, and then you're also resisting what our body wants us to do naturally, that's another job in itself. Like we end up Mm -hmm. finding ourselves kind of uh, working at being working we find ourselves working the working against ourselves ends up being work
1: (laughs) yeah does that make sense absolutely yeah Yeah, it does (laughs) it's like I describe it as swimming upstream when you could just kind of let go and float with the current yeah and um just to touch on you know period pain and painful periods and things like this um what I found is that our body you know all of these symptoms that we get in our premenstrual phase and during our period Feedback from our body. It's not normal to have a cycle that's painful, to be experiencing mood swings or breast tenderness or any of these things that we've been taught are just something that we have to endure as part of being a woman. Your cycle should be pain free, it should be a relatively easeful experience. And if your body is sending you feedback in the form of things like cramps, then, you know, often that is because you're not honoring that rhythm, you're not heeding that call to slow down. And when you don't listen to your body, she, you know, sends you messages in the form of things like period pain and Mm. she'll get louder and louder and louder and louder until you listen. Mm. So when women come to me and they say, what do I do if I have period cramps or premenstrual cramps? One of the first things I say is rest more because you'll often find that what your body is actually asking for is rest. And as soon as you honor that, a lot of the cramps go away. And I mean, there are obviously other causes for cramps, but I think the resistance to slowing down is a big reason why a lot of women experience so much challenge around their cycles.
2: I know for a fact that when I would have the worst pain would be often when I was the busiest. Mm -hmm. And you know I'm sure a lot of other people, if they were honest with themselves, could probably say the same. So we move through that stage. And if we truly honor that time, we'd be pretty full by that point, right? So what what comes next? Yeah.
1: So the next season is the Inner Spring. And that starts... The uh, the first day after you finish your period, so um, that might be, for example, around day six of your cycle if you if your period lasts for five days, and then that would take you up until just before ovulation. So if you have, say, a t- twenty nine to thirty day cycle might take you from around day six up until around day 12 or so and I mean you get to feel into this for yourself because everybody's cycle is different and even as individual women our cycle does fluctuate you know month to month depending on what's going on for us mm-hmm. so that is the season where our energy is really starting to return so each day we're feeling more and more energized it's really a season of momentum of feeling inspired of feeling energized um, often We feel, uh, you know, quite confident and resilient during this phase because we've sort of received all of these ideas and inspiration and clarity in our inner winter. If we made the space for that, and Mm -hmm. so we're feeling really, um, yeah, like activated and on purpose, and feels really good when that energy starts to rise again. And Mm -hmm. um, spring has this really beautiful, playful energy, which is just fun to lean into. So. It's a time where we get to play with different ideas, to be creative, to try new things. And that could be as simple just to give you a practical example as like mixing up your routine a little bit. Like if you always go to the same exercise class, maybe you head off to a dance class or you go to a creative workshop or, um, you know, for me, I find during this phase of my cycle, I love to take my laptop out of the house and work in different cafes and things. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to, you know, it's, it's the energy of the maiden and she's really playful and she doesn't like rigid structure or routine. So um, one of the ways to really embrace this season is to to mix things up a little bit, get playful, try new things, take risks. And um, I think the, the most important self-care piece here is that as our energy starts to return, we can kind of um, you know splurge it all at once because we're so excited to have our energy back mm. and we want to be doing all the things. But you have to remember that your energy is going to rise day by day. So you're slowly moving from your winter up to your inner summer, which is the peak of ovulation. So you want to just make sure you pace yourself a little bit so that you don't, um, you know, peak too soon and then find yourself feeling depleted later in your cycle.
2: So it could be a simple practical thing that you did want to try a dance class and you think about scheduling it in at some point later in that week. It really can Mm -hmm. be simple. You know, I think that's one week that we're talking about of every four and you have a schedule, you have a calendar. So we'll talk a little bit later about how you can practically start, uh, I suppose, figuring this out for yourself. But I think it's a really good idea to have a think about how it doesn't have to be overwhelming, you know, there's mm-hmm. a is a really easy way for you to try because I'm pretty sure there's a good chance you're trying to do different things or uh, for anyone listening, oh, I wanted to try that or I really wanted to do a big walk or a big kind of day adventure with a girlfriend. You just have a look and, and once you start to have a bit of an idea of where you are in your cycle, you could maybe suggest that could help you make decisions as well. Like I'm going to put it in here instead of just some random day. So I think it starts to help you um, make decisions too with, with things that really you don't think, uh, are going to really affect anything. If that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to give another practical example. So my first business was, um, graphic design and illustration. So I was all, I would always try and start new creative projects in my inner spring mm-hmm. because I knew that's when I was feeling, um, really inspired and I'd want to play with all kinds of creative ideas and, um, it just—it was really aligned for me to start new projects in that phase, and that way I got to um, use the most uh, high energy time of my cycle to really bring those projects to life, and then I would, you know, sort of edit and finish them up in time before my next period would arrive, mm-hmm. and then I would drop into a space of more like rest and just doing easy work like admin and things so like you said there are just really simple ways mm. that we can start to align commitments with the different phases of our cycle
2: mm. okay so where do we go to next this is exciting
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah so the next phase is your inner summer and this takes us again depending on the length of your cycle but from around say day 13 up until day 21 of your cycle So this is the like really high energy time of the cycle where we feel
2: like superwoman. And And everybody can relate to that, right? Where you're like, oh my God, I can go out. I'm going out for dinner. I'm vibing myself. I'm feeling myself.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) So this is um, usually the energy of the inner summer starts just before we ovulate. And our actual ovulation only lasts a day or two. Our egg once it's released doesn't survive very long at all. But the The high energy of that season lasts for quite a few days after ovulation. So mm-hmm. it does stretch for about a week. And like you said, it is that time where our physical and mental and creative energy is at its highest, you know, biologically, our body is fertile. It wants to make a baby. And so we feel really attractive. We feel really magnetic. We've got lots of energy. We want to be connected. We want to be social. We want to feel um, beautiful. We feel really confident. We want to just be out and be seen and, Uh, We feel really, um, yeah, just, just confident and like that magnetic kind of superwoman who can just do it all and still have energy left over at the end of the day. And this is a really beautiful time to... Uh, prioritize things like connecting with your friends and family, um, you know, big creative projects because you're feeling super creative and switched on. And you also have like a lot more energy and stamina during this phase of the cycle. So if you're going to book in, you know, a big project or you're planning on working long hours, this is the time in the cycle where you'll be able to do that. Mm. And it is the time, because we have so much energy, we just have more of ourselves to give. So we can be more generous, we can be more forgiving, we can say yes to more things and really have the capacity to do all of it and not feel depleted at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So the two kind of things that I always like to present about this season is, firstly, it only lasts about a week. So get really clear on what it is you want to use this beautiful superwoman energy for. Like if there's a big project that's really important to you, Um, or, you know, I like to sync all of my workshops and classes that I'm teaching around this time in my cycle, because I feel, you know, most energized and confident during that phase. I have a lot of fun if I do teaching things during that time in my cycle. And, um, the other thing is it only lasts about a week. So I think what often happens is we feel amazing during this time in our cycle and the characteristics of this inner summer woman, are very aligned with what society likes to tell us we should be like all the time. Mm. And so then we sort of pedestal this version of ourselves and think that this is how we should feel every single day of our cycle. And we're not taught to see the value in the other phases of the cycle quite so much. And so for the rest of the cycle, we can feel like we're not good enough. We're not producing enough. And I just want to yeah really presence that this is only one season. And as we go through the other seasons, you'll see that each have their own individual gifts. So while the inner summer and that superwoman energy is really amazing and fun to be in, uh, the other seasons or phases of the cycle do have just as much to offer. It's just that maybe it takes a little, um, you know, practice to see the beauty in those because we haven't. Been taught to see the gifts in them quite so much.
2: Totally. And I think that's what I was going on before when we started off in winter is that idea that it's the doom week or the doom time or we take Nurofen and lots of things to mask, all of that stuff. Um, I think often you probably don't flourish uh, as incredibly in summer if you don't give yourself that proper time in winter too. So you're probably not even reaching that kind of peak potential if you're not respecting other parts of your seasons, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favourite things to talk about right now, and this will be helpful to anyone who doesn't like their premenstrual phase. Um, So what I see often happening is that we... Often we feel that really high energy of the inner summer. We'd love to be in that phase. We love to feel like superwoman. And then we feel that pull to slow down as we move into our inner autumn or our premenstrual phase. And we resist it. We're like, oh no, I don't want to slow down. I don't want to be in that phase. I just want to stay in my summer forever. And so we resist that kind of natural rhythm. And then we see all of these premenstrual symptoms bubbling Mm. up. And in my own personal experience and what I see in the women that I work with is that often that happens because that in a summertime where we had all of that energy, we just kind of said yes to everything and we didn't get really clear on what we wanted to use that energy for. And that's where taking that time in your inner winter when you're bleeding comes in because that's the time where you get to get quiet. You get to fill your cup. You get to, um, you know, set your intentions and you know, vision for the month ahead and plan what you want to use that energy for. And like you said, if you're not filling your cup during that time, then you won't experience the highs of the inner summer. You can't be in a perpetual summer. We can't be giving and expressing all the time and never filling our own cup. So when you take the time to rest during your inner winter, and that could look like a whole day or it could look like, you know, little pockets of five or 10 minutes sprinkled throughout whatever other commitments you have on, whatever that is for you, taking that time to get quiet to rest a little more, maybe that's you know skipping the gym in favor of an extra hour's sleep mm. or you know just there's little practical things we can do to invite more space and more rest into our life. then we our cup feels full. we feel really clear on what we want to create or commit our time and energy to in the cycle ahead. And so we use our energy for the things that are important to us and with you know a bit more purpose and intention then our premenstrual phase comes around and we feel really fulfilled by what we've created um, because we, you know, we created what we wanted to and then we can settle into the slower pace of the premenstrual phase with, um, you know, a lot more ease and feeling like we're we're sort of ready to embrace that season rather than feeling that frustration and resentment that can often bubble up when we feel that pull to slow down, but we really don't want to.
2: Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think um, so. Okay, before I ask the next question, let's finish it off.
1: Mm -hmm. So, the final phase is the inner autumn, which is about the week before your period. So, this is your premenstrual phase. And is this what starts as day
2: one? Like, you're roughly around?
1: So day one of your cycle is the first day of your period. Oh, it is so okay. The, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 So the first that'll be the first day where you're bleeding enough that you would use a tampon or a pad or a menstrual cup. So okay. you you know spotting doesn't count. So okay, um, your inner autumn would be say around day twenty one to day twenty eight. Okay, your cycle so the last twenty eight days
2: long. The last yeah. week, right? The okay. last week, yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is a time where we start to like feel the pull to slow down a little bit. So energy starts to wane. Um, we, we naturally want to spend more time by ourselves. We feel more introspective. Um, you know, maybe not so much physical energy, especially in the last couple of days before we get our period. And you know, this phase could be a whole podcast in itself, because I think it's just so misunderstood. We have this cultural um, or societal perception that it's a time of suffering where we feel exhausted and we have cramps and we feel moody and we just feel like crap but um, you know as I said earlier all of those symptoms are signs from your body that something is out of balance whether it's that there's something hormonal going on whether it's that um, you need to tend to your emotional well-being a little more whether it's you've been drinking too much coffee or you've been too overstressed and haven't been taking care of yourself as well as you could. It's all feedback. And it really kind of comes back to bite you in this last week. If there is, if there is, um, has been like a lack somewhere in your self care throughout your cycle. But when we're feeling, um, really in balance physically and emotionally, then this phase of the cycle has so many gifts to offer us. You know, I personally used to experience every premenstrual symptom under the sun, crippling pain, cystic acne, feeling like super emotional and moody and almost borderline depressed. And now I love this phase of my cycle. So some of the gifts of this time are, um, it's the, the phase of the wild woman and she is like so connected to her truth and to her intuition and to her creative power and her passion. And often when we don't um, understand that about this time, it can come out as like, um, you know, being angry or snappy or, um, you know, a bit too much. But when we can understand that this is one of the gifts of this time, then we get to appreciate that we can really see the truth during this time. And we, we do have this beautiful passion and fire that we get to channel into our creative work or our communication or our
2: self-expression. I think, I think for me it's a um, – as somebody that can get really cloudy and a little bit anxious, it offers if – you, if you don't resist it, it offers this real beautiful clarity – like, yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's one of. I. I think when I started to to really process my own cycles, I, I I started to really see the power in it. Once I started to to take note of my moods and and where I would be in terms of decision making and and um and backing myself, you know. And I think this week is a really a really powerful tool to enhance that but yet often we're shoving our face with twisties and, and not really wanting to do anything at all. So it, there is some real underlying power that we can very easily access, right, Alicia, if we, we kind of start to change our stories a bit
1: mm-hmm exactly so because it's sort of it's coming to the end of one cycle and if we look at the creative process the last step is editing and refining and that's exactly what this phase of the cycle offers us so we're sort of getting feedback and clarity around all of the things that aren't working for us and that could be applied to for example if you were writing a book this would be a really great phase to go through and edit because you can see so clearly what gets to stay and what gets to go. And you're really, um, you know, ruthless and discerning about that editing process, but it also applies to your life in general. So if there is, um, you know, uh, a relationship in your life that isn't in alignment or you're in a job that you hate, It might be that all throughout the rest of your cycle, it's really easy to just gloss over it all because you're feeling really good and really Mm. vibrant and Mm. you've got those kind of rose-tinted glasses on. But as soon as your premenstrual phase comes up, all of a sudden you're like, I want to quit my job or you have the same (laughs) argument with your partner over and over again or you know, even little things like um, a lot of women find they nest and clean and organize during this time because we just naturally want to – tidy and sort things through and get things ticked off and tidied away so that we can you know sink into that rest period during our inner winter Mm. so as you said if you can understand that this is what this time in your cycle offers you then you get to really harness it like Mm. it's such a superpower Mm. um to be able to see what you need to refine or edit or change or let go of in order to come more into alignment or come closer to a life that's one that you really love. And to give a really basic example, which is something that I know a lot of women come up against often in this time in our cycle, we find ourselves feeling really angry and frustrated. And then our partner will do one little thing like uh, not taking out the rubbish or leaving the washing in the machine. And all of a sudden we're just like exploding and picking a fight and we think oh, I'm this, you know, crazy hormonal woman just because I'm premenstrual, what, you know, what's going on. But often what's underneath those um, seemingly petty frustrations or things that make us angry is something really important that gets to be looked at. So in the example, in this Ooh, particular yeah, example, yeah, I see where
2: you're going with this. Yeah,
1: Yeah. In this particular example, maybe it's It's probably not about the fact that the washing was left in the machine once. It could be more about the fact that all of the time, you know, you're doing all of the washing and all of the cleaning and your partner is just going to work and coming home and expecting that everything's done. And throughout the rest of your cycle, when you had all of this energy and patience and you were feeling really generous and loving, you just kind of put up with it because it was fine, because you could do it all because you were superwoman and then you got to your premenstrual phase and that wild woman came out and she was like oh, I feel so unappreciated and taken for granted. And so when that happened again all of a sudden you're picking a fight and then you you know if you're not looking closely you can just think, oh, I'm so irrational, I can't believe I picked a fight about the
2: washing ma- being left in the machine. Yeah, not to mention that PMS conversation that comes back from our partners often that we totally uh, contribute to the commentary of, of like, I was psycho, oh my God, it was my whole, uh, like, I was crazy this week, my PMS, I was nuts, you know, all this this dialogue that's so supported to really repress us, right? Oppress us, oppress us.
1: Yeah. So this is where we get to get curious. And this is where practices like um, journaling and meditation and things come in really handy, where you get to ask yourself, what's really underneath this? Like, what am I actually Mm. frustrated about? What am I actually angry about? Is there a need that's not being met here? Because often we go, I don't know why I'm angry. I just feel angry. But if you really set with it, of course, you know why you're angry. It's Mm. just that we think, Anger's not feminine, there's no space for it, it's a negative emotion, but our anger is sacred, it's here to teach us something, and if you are feeling angry and frustrated in your premenstrual phase, there's some power in there, like there's a little gold nugget under there, that once you discover it, you get to change something, whether that's making a decision, whether that's saying no to something, whether that is waiting until you have some perspective and calm and then having a, you know, a really calm discussion with your partner or whoever it is about, you know, what the actual thing is. So yeah, there's this, we, you know, you're absolutely right. We are told that, you know, how many jokes are there about, you know, crazy premenstrual women. And so we perpetuate that in our own lives by kind of brushing it off as something that's insignificant, when really, like, that is a time where we we're at our most powerful. We're so tapped into truth. We're so tapped into intuition. We can see so clearly. Mm. And it's actually even, like, because of the way our hormones change during that time, we can, like, studies have shown that we can
2: literally see things that we couldn't see before. Also, anger anger gives clarity. Like there's something really, you don't have a lot of, it's often not the nicest way to go about things granted. And I'm certainly someone that has a lot of my um, like panic or my reaction to things comes out. And it's just the way I was taught as a kid. And and I am trying to find really some different options because you want to get your message across in the most effective way. And often it doesn't land the way you really, it really deserves to land. Mm-hmm. But my point is that I have stopped seeing all of the evil and anger and sad to see some of the beauty in it. And often you don't have a lot of space to beat around the bush. Uh, it, you know, it often will rise and raise things that, that are very clear and you're very sure of. And even though sometimes it might not be, as you mentioned earlier, the perfect way to, I guess, bring it up often the message behind it is something that's very simple and clear like to to really actually support what we were saying earlier about this week is because it is very clear and it is very orderly and it is that you're trying to tie things up and get things to to actual loose and so maybe some of those outbursts are actually exactly what are supposed to happen too
1: So, like practically, um, because we, I mean, sometimes we're not, we're all human and sometimes we pick fights or we, you know, have a bit of an outburst, but really we don't want to be doing that all the time. So, like practically, what we can do instead is firstly, we can be aware of the fact that this is a time when things will bubble up to the surface. So, we get to have some tools and some strategies in place for when they do. So, The first one is awareness, like having, like tuning more into your emotions during this time, having a practice that's introspective, like journaling, where you can, you know, process those thoughts or having a conversation with a friend that feels really supportive. And then one of the things that I teach and like to all of my clients and all of my courses is using movement and breath to shift your anger because, or, you know, frustration, grief, sadness, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. because there are all of these emotions which like we've talked about, have, a, have golden nuggets within them, have mm. something to teach us, have some medicine, but we don't just want to be like yelling at our boss or yelling at our friends because, you know, firstly, it's not nice. And secondly, when we're feeling that electric charge, we're probably not going to come to any kind of constructive um, resolution during that time. So what we want to do is have healthy ways to literally shift that energy, that charge and to move it out of our body and express it in a way that, um, allows it to be felt. And one of my favorite ways to do this is dance, like putting on a song that, you know, embodies that anger or that sadness and just allowing that energy to move through you until you feel it shift and dissipate. And then once the dust is sort of settled a little bit, then you get to look a little bit closer and go like, okay, so what was really underneath that? And Mm. then when you feel calm and you feel clear, then you get to have the conversation with your partner or your friend from a space of being really clear about what it is you need to feel supported or what needs to change. Because you know we all know that when we come in all guns blazing, likely we're just going to start a fight and probably not actually achieve the result that we want. So dance is an amazing one um, you know, breath is another one. There's a breath technique called breath of joy that you could search on YouTube or anything. It's a yogic breathing technique, which is really fun and, um, just helps to, you know, move that energy throughout the body or, um, primal screaming is another one of my favorites. So, yeah.
2: you, you know, feel silly, but it's bloody good.
1: So good. So putting on loud music in your car, doing it at home, go to the beach you know, we we get really self conscious about it at first, but once you realize how cathartic it is, you'll sort of you'll let that self-consciousness mm. go. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's presencing yourself to the emotion that you're feeling, feeling it in your belly, because as women we carry so much, you know, emotional junk around our pelvis and that can also manifest as cramps and period pain. Mm. And then like literally doing a primal scream, like a scream that comes, you know, it's that deep primal sound that comes from your belly, that doesn't come from your throat and doing it with the intention of expressing that anger or that sadness or that grief and moving it out of your body. And you'll feel whether it's with the dance or the primal screaming or the breath or whatever else you'll feel when that energy shifts and it doesn't feel so like activated and electric anymore. And Mm. sometimes you'll have a bit of a release, like you might feel a lot lighter, you might cry, you might laugh, and it's kind of like the dust is settled. And then you get to, as I said, dig around and see what was really underneath that and then seek some kind of resolution. But those those techniques are amazing because they allow us to have a healthy expression of what are perfectly healthy emotions to arise, not only in the premenstrual phase, but anytime, Uh, rather than just going, I can't be angry, you know, I can't, project this on someone else and then we just kind of shove it all down inside and inevitably it bursts out at another time
2: anyway. I think it's really important to note that that has to be a bit of an action too. Um, I'm going to put in show notes a a podcast that I spoke to Michael Trembath, who uh, is an energy healer and talks in very much detail about moving energy and how we can best do that within ourselves um, because that will be a helpful resource as well. But I think there is something about there being a real conscious agreement or at least a conscious understanding that we are the people that actually have to move that energy around. And I think often we think it's just going to burst out of us and that's the way that it will leave or move or shift. And actually there needs to be actions or particular activities or therapies or different things to shift it. It's not Mm -hmm. going to go anywhere unless we do that. I wanted to talk to you actually on that. Uh, There was an Instagram post that you put up a few weeks ago where you spoke about the jaw and how that was a really great way for you to act access how tight or loose essentially your pelvis is. Could you speak a little bit more to that and and some other potentially different ways for us to be able to access whether our, we're holding our pelvis in or, or it is tight? Because I think a lot of mm-hmm. us don't have a very conscious and maybe even a strong at all relationship with our pelvis or our root chakra.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, I offer a healing modality called holistic pelvic care, which is why I, um, just get so excited talking about, you know, the pelvis in the womb. So our pelvic bowl, which is, you know, the the pelvis, which houses all of our reproductive organs energetically, it's, um, you know, where our sacral chakra is, it is, where it's, it's the root place of the female body. It's where it's the home of our creative power. It's the home of our life force energy. It's also the emotional and energetic junk drawer of the body essentially. And you may have heard that if you've been to a yoga class before Mm -hmm. they talk about hip opening postures, you know, can bring up a lot of emotions and things because it's shifting energy. That's, um, you know, essentially stagnant in the pelvis and, to give the example of anger, it's like every time you feel angry and you don't express it, it doesn't just disappear. You're essentially pushing it down, and it kind of makes its home inside your body. And it's the same for um, you know all kinds of other emotions, um, creative energy that's not expressed, uh, energetic patterns, ancestral patterns, all kinds of stuff can really um, you know create stagnant energy in our in our pelvic bowl where. What we really want is for it to be free flowing and alive and vibrant, so that we can channel that energy out into, you know, whatever way it is we're expressing ourselves in the world through our relationships, through our work, um, just through our our um, health and well being, all of these things. So most women will have some kind of tension around the pelvic floor or energetic blockages somewhere in the pelvic bowl. I haven't met any woman who doesn't have that, <laughs> and you know, whether it's deep seated stuff from, you know, a lifetime of being a human or whether it's something really fresh from, uh, you know, an argument. Like I notice if I get into conflict with my husband, now that I'm more aware, I'll notice that the right side of my pelvic floor will start to hold tension in the same way that when you're really stressed, maybe you notice that your shoulders start to get tight. So, um, you know, that post that I I did a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how the jaw is the pelvis of the face. So the jaw and the pelvis are really uh, intricately connected. So you'll likely notice, and I'll give an example for myself, um, I tend to hold tension more on the right side of my pelvis, so around my right hip. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I get really tight. That side is not as open as the other. And I also, when I get stressed, I hold a lot of tension and I get really like sore around the right side of my jaw. So if you take a few minutes to tune into your hips and around your pelvis and around your pelvic floor just to notice where you're holding tension, often if you um, pay attention to your jaw, you'll see that pattern reflected in your jaw as well. So when you relax your pelvic floor, your jaw will relax and vice versa. So it's just a it's a really interesting relationship
2: within the body. It's incredible. And I are there any other um connectors that we could be aware of that help us understand that area of our body um oh this is a i mean there's
1: so much i could say one thing like on that that's really interesting is that our creative energy and our the energy of our throat chakra our self-expression are really connected so often women will find if there's stagnant energy around the pelvic bowl it also is reflected in the throat because it's, um, you know, really connected to their, Ooh, their that's self-expression.
2: very, very interesting.
1: Mm, because if you're not, if your creative energy isn't flowing, then you're, that you speaking your voice or you being
2: self-expressed probably also isn't flowing. And it's why, you know, in childbirth. I was about to say I need to clarify that that creative energy can be creative projects, or yeah or fertility I think people yep. don't often see the creation creative being the same but it is essentially mm-hmm. or at least it's born from a very similar place
1: yeah so the uh, the energetic space of our womb as I said is the home of our creative energy and that is whether we are nourishing and birthing a baby, whether we're nourishing and birthing a project, um, you know, creating, we're always creating, we're all creative, Mm. whether it's Mm. creating our home, our relationships, our work, we're constantly in a creative process, just purely by the act of being human and being on this earth and having a life that we are creating on a day-to-day basis. So um, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting to think about what are you gestating in your womb space, mm. in your pelvic bowl? It could be a baby. Maybe it is. Maybe it's, a, you know, some creative projects. It's, yeah, it's just really fun to get curious mm. about that and then to get more intentional about how you want to be using that creative energy. But what I was going to say just in relationship to the jaw is just to give a practical example, like women and childbirth will often like make really primal sounds. Mm. And it's because by opening the throat and opening the jaw, we're relaxing the pelvis and opening around the pelvis, which is what we need to do to be able to birth a baby. Mm. So even if we don't necessarily intellectually know these things, like this wisdom is within our body. And it's the same with our cycle. I, you know, I can tell you all of these things about the cycle, But ultimately what it comes down to is that you get to start to track your own cycle and get curious about your own rhythms and the patterns that you see, you know, maybe every time you're on day five of your cycle, you're a little more vulnerable to anxiety or every time you're in your premenstrual phase, you want to quit your job. I know I gave that one already, but you know, you get to be the student of your own
2: cycle. You get to be curious, to nurture that relationship with your own body. And it's not, and it can't be read. Like, so you can assist, and I know that's what a lot of the work you do. You're actually launching also another a course around this. So there's lots of mm-hmm. ways for you to get support. But at the end of the day, it really is about you having that interest and in self-inquiry to your own body, right, that it needs to start there because you really can't, read day 5 will mean this day 8 will mean this specifically because we're all so different. Yeah, exactly. And it's
1: not something that you learn and then you know it. Like it's it's um it's really a practice because our our menstrual cycle is a feedback system. So it's constantly responding to our emotional health, our stress levels. You know, if you're super stressed, your body might delay ovulation and then your cycle might be longer. Like that's just one example of how our cycle can shift based on what's going mm, on in our life. Yeah. So it's a, it really is a, an embodied way of living. It's not another to-do to add to all of the self-care practices that you already have. This is the rhythm that is already within mm-hmm. us. It's already happening whether you're paying attention to it or not. So the way that I see it is that you may as well start paying attention because when you do – I give that analogy again. It's like, you know, you're not no longer swimming upstream. You're allowing yourself to flow with the current. And all of a sudden, you are just thriving in all areas of your life. You feel better. Your premenstrual symptoms disappear. Your creativity is blooming. Your relationships feel easier. You know how to navigate those emotions when they come up. You know how to harness the gifts in each of the seasons. You know to schedule more space for yourself during your period so that you can rest and all of this stuff just starts to become second nature this is the rhythm that's already within us as women it's just that we've been conditioned out of it because our society is largely structured on the 24-hour cycle which mirrors the hormonal cycle of men
2: Mm -hmm. uh yes on i'm not going to go into that um Mm. but on on the cycle, let's just go on back onto the fertility path for a second and mm-hmm. and pregnancy. For all of the mums or mums to be out there or even the people trying to conceive, I have a lot of them following me because I've tracked my um, fertility journey for the last year and a half. So for someone that essentially started a bit of a tracking system, which we will get to before the end of the show, because I do want to talk about your suggestions on how we can begin a process for ourselves. But I, um, I definitely, I put up a calendar on my wall. I would write little symbols or little kind of mood shifts every day of my cycle. So I could somehow try and see if there were patterns or see where things landed and, and what actually universally also seemed to work with me. And I want to know what happens to our cycle. What's going on with our bodies? Is it different? Is it the same? Once we actually have, we're not bleeding and we have a baby in there.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, pregnancy is a cycle. It's just a different cycle. So I myself don't have children yet, but um, you know, obviously in this work, I've learned a little bit about this and heard experiences from other mothers. And I think we, if you're pregnant or you're breastfeeding or you're in a phase where you don't have your period, you just have to, or you get to, Embrace that you're in a different phase of life and a different cycle. And as with the menstrual cycle, you get to get curious around, um, you know, how you're feeling and what's alive for you in that day and what your body is asking for in terms of self care. I know that a lot of women during pregnancy go through it almost feels like a, an extended pre menstrual phase, which in a good way, which makes sense because our progesterone is elevated during our inner autumn and it's also elevated throughout pregnancy. It's what, um, you know, helps keep the baby safe and in the Mm -hmm, womb mm -hmm. and, so that's why women who are pregnant will often they'll be nesting, their pace will feel slower, they want more um, like nurturing and physical touching, like cuddles. And all of these things are also true for the premenstrual phase. So there are similarities there. And then the other similarity that I've also um, talked a lot about with friends who, understand the cycle and have uh, have been through pregnancy is that the time when you're waiting for the baby to be born feels very similar to the void which is the last couple of days of your menstrual cycle before mm. you get your
2: period and it all kind of would really wouldn't it like essentially yeah. a birth would be a version of summer oh no winter yeah the release so that would be the period yeah right
1: yeah, so it's there are similarities and this you know this isn't my zone of genius yet. It's something that I'm learning more about, but there are um women who so there's a woman, one of my teachers, Tammy Lynn Kent. She wrote mm-hmm. a book called Mothering from Your Center mm-hmm. where she talks a lot about the energy of um, fertility and pregnancy and postpartum and mothering. So that's a resource that I really recommend for women mm-hmm. who are wanting to learn more about the energy of
2: motherhood. Mm. Okay, it could even be um, a trimester thing too, because it's not yeah. a coincidence that all of a sudden, average, but not not everybody, everyone's different. But most people will lose that kind of morning sickness in their kind of second trimester. That real same same kind of personality trait that you talk about in terms of ovulation in in second trimesters. It is, it is interesting where the similarities would play out but in longer extended forms if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm.
1: and one thing I will say is if you're tracking your cycle and you are really embracing all of the different seasons I think it would be a lot easier to embrace the transition of pregnancy and motherhood and all the fluctuations that come with that because you've already learned in a sense, to kind of ride those waves and see the value in all of the different energies. Mm, um, mm. So yeah, I know that, like, from women who are much further along this journey than I am, have said, for example, that learning to embrace their cycle and practice cycle awareness may- means that the transition into menopause is so much easier because the inner autumn, the premenstrual phase, is essentially, you know, a practice of that mm. that menopause phase of life. Yeah. So. There are, you know, there are all of these cycles from our menstrual cycle to, you know, um, menopause and pregnancy and motherhood, and there are definitely uh, similarities throughout a lot of them.
2: Um, and how would you, just shifting gear a second, how would you explain to women or men, um, anybody that is starting to open up to this idea of um, seasons within us and how we can better access true potential, really, as women. And there's this kind of real understanding that we are very cyclical and very linked to nature. And often the conversation when people talk about tracking periods or or being more in touch with our cycle is very linked to the moon and the cycles of the seasons that actually happen across the earth and nature which you have so lovely put into your explanations but talking specifically about the moon for a second how does that then play into all of the things that we've discussed today?
1: Mm, This is one of the most common questions that I get asked everyone wants to know how they can sync their cycle to the moon. Really? Yeah right. Yes
2: so firstly what What I'll say is. Do they feel like they're gonna clock it like Mario Kart or something like there's some kind of um, goal or yeah right. It's like one of those uh, makes um, you more woke or um, spiritual if you're all connected. Yeah,
1: it's like this spiritual like benchmark of feeling like you know (laughs) if you if you're synced with the full moon then you must somehow be like more enlightened or something. I don't know. But the moon has eight different phases and they all have different energies and you're synced with one of them at all times. And you know there's a beautiful book called um, Red Moon by Miranda Grey where she goes really in depth into this topic, but Uh, there are two sort of main cycles or relationships to the moon that people talk about. The first one is the white moon cycle, which is where you are ovulating with the full moon and bleeding with the new. Mm -hmm. And that one seems to feel the most, um, that's the one that's sort of pedestaled as being the perfect cycle. And I think it's because the energy of the full moon being very um, expressive, very high energy is very reflective of the energy of ovulation. Mm. And then the new moon being the dark of the moon, the beginning of the new cycle, a time to turn inward and set intentions is very reflective of how we feel during our inner winter or when we're bleeding. And that is, um, you know, energetically that cycle's linked with, uh, you know, mothering and family and being very, uh, you know, in that mother energy of being of service to the world, which when we think about the roles of women that are really celebrated historically in society, we can kind of see why that cycle might be put as being the one that we, we want to be embodying. Mm -hmm. So the opposite of that is the red moon cycle, which is exactly the opposite. It is ovulating with the new moon and bleeding with the full moon. And historically that was associated with like the shamans and the medicine women. And it was, you know, um, more associated with like the the darker kind of energies of mm-hmm. femininity. So they both have different energies, and women will like most of us find that we shift from one to the other when we're in different phases of our lives. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as we go throughout that shift, our cycle is going to be syncing with these other phases of the moon that are in between the two. So it's a fun thing to get curious about to see like, oh, you know, if I read about a white moon cycle, does that reflect how I'm feeling in terms of where I met at, at this stage of my life? But it's not, um, there's nothing wrong with you if
2: your cycle yeah. isn't syncing with the full moon. It's really strange, isn't it? Everyone's so obsessed with, oh my God, it's a blue moon or it's Mercury retrograde, which is what it is at the moment. People just f- yeah. are flipping out now because they've got some real beginner idea of what things are and it doesn't, it never really, nothing is black and white. It never really mm-hmm. works uh, there is no um, rule book essentially to this stuff because <laughs> as you yeah. so explained um, so clearly throughout this podcast is that everything is forever changing. So there, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that dive into this type of work and want to have that real textbook understanding of things, but it really is an evolution. It's not something that you can kind of have as this guide to this is the mm-hmm. moon, this is the period, this is what is the ideal plan.
1: Exactly. And um, you know, st- studies have shown, interestingly enough, that if you have an irregular cycle, if you leave your curtains open for the few days around the full moon, um, I don't exactly know the science <laughs> behind it, but studies have shown that that can help to regulate the cycle so that we are ovulating. So our body obviously does respond. It's more to the light rather than like they've looked into whether, you know, our womb responds in the same way that the tides of the ocean do. And I don't think there have been any concrete studies proving that, but mm-hmm. the light of the moon does seem to have some effect. And I know a lot of women have found that by going outside and looking at the moon every day and just connecting with the moon, it can have some impact on regulating this, the cycle. I don't know how much evidence there is behind it, but in terms of like anecdotal evidence or people's experiences, Mm. Mm -mm. Um, you know, if you do want to sync your cycle with the moon, there are ways to do that, but it doesn't make you, you know, more or less spiritual or more or less feminine depending on.
2: And I think it's the same as getting your vitamin D fix really. We should all be kind of having different experiences directly on our body at all times that we can be as linked to nature as possible as a generic Mm -hmm. rule, you know what I mean? And that would include doing walks under the moon or being able to at least see it. Like a lot of us live in buildings and in mid-city where you probably come don't come into, um, into uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Into contact with a, yeah. a, a direct moonlight ever. So I think that's kind of crazy considering um, we are all a part of nature. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of go as Australians, we crave the vitamin D of a sun, but I don't think the other is really as as understood or as kind of craved, as it? It probably mm-hmm. should be too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So to, to kind of finish up, if someone was to take all of the really helpful, insightful, very practical information that you've given in this podcast and wanted to start becoming inquisitive about their cycle, what would you suggest they do?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as we've said, you can listen to me talk about this all day long, but the practice really starts when you start paying attention to your own cycle. So the first step is to start tracking your cycle in some way. And there are many different ways that you can do this. There are so many apps that you can use. One of my favorites is called Clue.
2: And um, that's I just like one that way. They give you really yeah. cool... Um- they give you really cool emails, like really interesting period conversations I found too. Mm-hmm. Their content's quite great.
1: Yeah, they are really great. So that's a, a great one. Um, it doesn't take up a lot of time. You can probably spend like one minute every evening just entering your stuff in that app. So that's a really um, you know easy way to get started. You can... Um, Do it as do your cycle tracking as part of a journaling practice if you have one. So I love to just pop at the top of my journal entry what cycle day I'm on. And then I'll start by doing a bit of a check-in. So going um, you know, how am I feeling today? What came really easily to me? Did any emotions bubble up? Like, how was I feeling physically? And just sort of, like, I prefer the journaling because it allows me to dive more into, like, how I'm feeling and what my strengths and vulnerabilities are. But I know that not everyone loves journaling, and that's totally cool. Um, you can also, and this is, I actually recommend all women do this for around three months, even if it's something that you don't want to do long-term. But that's using the fertility awareness method. So that's taking your temperature in the morning and tracking your cervical fluid and inputting it into an app such as Kandara. That's the one that I use because Um, that really allows you to see exactly where you're at in your cycle in terms of like, did you actually ovulate and what's going on with your hormones? This is all,
2: sorry to interrupt, but it is so important if you're thinking about having a baby in the next Mm -hmm. even 12 months, like it's such important, incredible, powerful information to have before you even are remotely ready. Like- Yes. People have no idea how much you have access to starting a whole process before you actually get to the ready point.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I even if someone you're, had told me that. Yeah. And even if you never want to have children, like a healthy cycle is a sign that you are really thriving. I mean, yeah. your hormones aren't just connected to your menstrual cycle, they're connected to your well-being. So when your hormones and your cycle is thriving, that's when you're thriving. So looking at your um your chart, when you're taking your temperature and tracking these other things, like until I started doing that, I didn't realize that I wasn't ovulating every month. And then I wondered why I wasn't feeling at the top of my game. And, you know, I had a whole journey with coming off the pill, which I was on for a long time, which is a whole other story. But until I started actually charting my cycle and taking my temperature, I was basically just guessing at what was going on. But when you start to take your temperature and track your cervical fluid, all of a sudden, you've got really concrete evidence as to what's going on. And if you take that chart to a practitioner, they can give you information. Like they can look at the the temperature fluctuations and say, "Oh, your progesterone is low," or your luteal phase, the second half of your cycle, is only eight days. And you know, if that's the case, and you're wanting to conceive, like that's going to be a problem. So you want to be knowing these things, like you said, well in advance, so that you have time to really balance things out. So if that's something that women are interested in doing, there's a book that I recommend. It's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Toni Wishler. I think is that, I'm not sure if that's how you say her last name, but Mm -hmm. that book is, I swear, like it should be recommended reading or recommended curriculum in high school for girls. Like when I read this book, I was just blown away by the amount of things I did not know about my body or my cycle.
2: It's so. crazy. It's crazy. I, you know, it's just so insane. I would have liked to have thought that I was a pretty in touch person with this stuff, but no way, no way did I know the level of what I know now actually trying to fall pregnant. And yeah. I just think you're exactly right. It should be in our education. It really is kind of crazy to think that we start to have knowledge of this for a lot of people when they think about having babies and maybe some people never. Exactly. You're exactly
1: right. So essentially you want to, you know, pick some way of starting to track your cycle. And when I say track your cycle, basically you're wanting, whether it's an app or journaling, some kind of practice of checking in every day and asking what day of my cycle am I on? You know, how am I feeling physically, emotionally, in terms of like my creativity or my energy? And then based on how, am I, how I'm feeling and what I know about my cycle what do I choose now? Like, okay, I'm feeling tired and I'm on day 28 of my cycle. So I'm going to choose to go to a yoga class instead of a hit workout. Or, you know, I'm on day 14 of my cycle and I'm feeling amazing. And I really want to go out dancing. Like just those are little practical examples, but it's a practice of checking in with yourself each day and actually tuning into how you're feeling. Because once you start to check in, then you start to notice those patterns, especially if you're tracking them on something like an app or, you know, your journal where you can go back and look like, you know, every cycle on day 21, I feel like I just want to yell at the world or, you know, little things like that. Um, so just start to track your cycle in some way. I also have a cycle my website.
2: Map. Is that what you're going to say? Yes.
1: yes. So I have a, yeah, I have a free cycle map on my website, which goes over... Um, you know, briefly each of these four inner seasons. So I know that this if this is new to you, listening to this podcast, you're probably like, oh my God, so much information. You know, what do I integrate first? So I have this free cycle map, which kind of summarizes it all and also includes um, a chart where you can start to track your cycle. And I've offered you a whole lot of journaling prompts because I know that when you get started, you know, it's nice to have, some specific questions to ask yourself rather than
2: just going like, oh, I've got a journal about my cycle yeah, but yeah. I don't really know about my cycle so what do I talk about, you know? I love this. I will put all of and all of the book recommendations but the cycle map in show notes for sure because I know mm-hmm. um, my listeners will be keen on that because that's exactly how I did it too. I um, I downloaded thing, and that would have the, the – does yours have the calendar? Because I think the other way you could do it as well to add to your cycle map is that – Just, you could also go into typo, and you know how you have those desk. those desk calendars that sit under your keyboard or something. They're like Mm -hmm. five bucks. I bought one of those and started just writing in stuff about my, my mood or, or where I was at and tracked all of mine out on one of those as well. So yeah, it's so easy and, and it's just there. Then the dates are there. You don't have to kind of, um, think about it too much. It's just like filling in a little box every day.
1: Mhm, perfect. You have to find something that works for you. Like I have clients who track their cycle in the notes section of their phone. Like there really is no right way. It's if it's something that's sustainable for you, that's easily integrated into your life, then that is the perfect way for you to start tracking. And the last thing that I want to say is I think the first practical thing you can integrate around starting to live more in harmony with your cycle is look at when your next period is due. Mark it in your calendar. And do what you can to create as much space around that time as possible. Mm. So, like, don't plan to be at six different events that week. Don't plan, um, you know your your best friend's baby shower on day one of your cycle. Um, you know that's the week that you want to make sure you've got some meals prepped or order takeout so you don't have to cook dinner every night. Or maybe that's the day that one of your friends picks your kids up from school. So you have an hour to yourself. Like that's really the first step for a lot of women is starting to embrace more space and more rest around that time. And we're all busy. We all have a whole bunch of things to do. So it's probably not going to be, you know, three days of doing nothing, but we can all find something that we can let go of or renegotiate or ask for support with in order to give ourselves a little window of time to rest deeply and to honour what is really a sacred and powerful time in our cycles.
2: Yeah. And I think just the action of even, you know, that kind of curious nature about yourself and then and having a, a mindset that that space will be helpful is a really great great start and I think Mm -hmm. once you start to see the benefits of that you just start to dive deeper (laughs) exactly Um, but Alicia you do so much you do one-on-one coaching which I mentioned in the intro um, and you have all the different courses so many different options for people to expand their knowledge when it comes to this on a really intimate level and working closely with you so I will make sure I have all of the information for everyone in show notes as well
1: amazing perfect yeah my um my signature program woman embodies is by the time this launches will be open again. So that's a really great way for women to dive in if they're wanting to you know, dive really deep and really start to embody
2: this work. Mm, Incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom, your knowledge and um, your generosity with doing things like cycle map and sharing those things and giving people resources to be able to access this part of themselves. It's such important work. And um, on behalf of my listeners and I, we're super grateful for you being here today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about cycles. I could talk about it all
2: day. (laughs) Thanks, Alicia. Thank you. This has been another Bijou Podcast production.